all got that voice in our head that tells us we can't do stuff. But some people are just better at not listening to it. And by sitting down with those people, asking them questions, and then you know, recording it and blasting it out on the internet, perhaps, maybe, I can help other people like me get out of our own way. Hi guys, welcome back to Closure Optional. My guests this week are Bassanos and Angel from the sexy BDSM party that I went to a few weeks ago. They, I don't know, uh, if you follow me on social media, then you would have seen the videos, hopefully. I've put it up in YouTube and elsewhere, everywhere. There's a video of the performance that these two guys put on. And essentially what they, it is, is uh, Shibari rope bondage. But it's not really rope bondage in the way that you would imagine. I don't know, like every time I've ever thought about rope bondage, it's like handcuffing someone to the bed, like smearing your balls in their face. <laughs> not something I've done personally, obviously. Um, I don't have any balls. But the, um, what they did, it really, really was one of the most beautiful and intense and crazy things I've seen in a long time. And I watch a lot of Muay Thai fights. <laughs> so uh, this is a wonderful conversation. We talk a little bit about rope at the very start, and then I get into some pretty heavy-duty, full-on sex and psychology stuff with these guys. So um, this is a quick disclaimer uh, beforehand because we get into some pretty heavy material about... Um, consent and rape stuff, and so I don't know. I I think uh, I think it's a good conversation to be had. I think it's a really important conversation to be had. But um, I know that sometimes that can be sensitive for other for people to talk about or listen to or whatever. It's not something that's talked about very often because it's a fucking scary, weird area. But I think it's only as scary and weird as it is because we really struggle to talk about it. So I think it's important that we did talk about it in this. And um, by all means, obviously, if you have anything to say, I would love to hear what you've got to say about it, um, especially if anybody uh, related to any of the stuff that I was talking about with Angel uh, as far as consent stuff goes and... Um, Men as well, I'm curious about your uh, experience of this and perception of it too. But So that goes on for most of the middle of the podcast and then we talk about their current polyamorous situation and what it's like to be in a non-monogamous, fully loving relationship. It was really cool. I, um, I ended up chatting to them for quite a long time after they we stopped recording as well because I wanted to know more about it and as far as I could tell, they are two very extremely in love, happy people, but they're non-monogamous. So it was pretty interesting to see that that's a possibility, um, and pretty authentically. So obviously, I don't know them very well. I only know them from chatting to them for about three hours all up. But uh, from what I could see, it was pretty uh, eye-opening and interesting. So this is a very, very fun conversation. But again, it's pretty heavy at some points, so I'm just be aware that that does go on. And, you know, that's the beauty of a podcast. You just fucking turn it off if you hate it. But I would appreciate it if it doesn't, obviously, if it's not like psychologically traumatic for you. It, I think it's a good thing to, you know, maybe talk about this stuff. It, it was hard for me to even talk about it in the podcast, but I think it was good. We're just trying to flush out ideas. And the more we get ideas out and talk about them, I, I hopefully, I don't know, we get better at this shit. So I hope you guys all have had a wonderful week. If you'd like to contribute to this podcast, as always, you can always do that through uh, sharing my Facebook or Instagram pages or whatever, liking the posts. Um, I also just started a Twitter account for, I have no idea why. I can barely manage just two uh, means of social media, <laughs> but um, I don't know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I just noticed this about myself that I only use social media to look at my own notifications and shit. Like I, on, I really only give a shit about social media to promote my stuff so that hopefully more people can hear the podcast and then I like check it for validation. I don't really, I don't get anything else out of it. And so when I went into Twitter and I had zero followers, still do have zero followers, I was kind of like, I was like, wait, what am I supposed to do here? And then I realized, oh, this is what normal people do. They just absorb information from the internet. <laughs> I've never done that before. 
So that was interesting. Um, but anyways, uh, I have a Twitter now. If you have a Twitter, great, do that. If not, fucking great. Who cares? Um, also, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do it through patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Lorna Bremner for five bucks a month, which is like less than the cup of the cost of a cup of coffee. You can help me continue to live my dreams and share this shit with you. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Thank you to the patrons who are currently supporting the podcast and all of our sponsors. Fuck yeah. Please enjoy this lovely conversation between me and some rope bondage legends. All right, well, welcome. Thank Thank you so much for coming down here to talk to me today. It's exciting. I feel good being back in my studio again because I've been on the road. Every podcast that I've done for the last um, five weeks has been out traveling somewhere. So it feels really nice to just like be back and comfortable in my own yeah, this is my spot. space. I feel yeah. comfortable here. Yeah, it is funny. Isn't it nice? Like you can really turn a place into your home. Like mm. When I come in here, as soon as I walk in the door, I'm like, oh, I know I'm going to get something done today. <laughs> it feels good. And really? it was such a dirty, old, gross shed when I started. Yeah, no, you've done a great yeah, job. It's beautiful in here now. Yeah, thank you. So we got you down here because you guys were the people that put on the show at that BDSM party I went to. That's not us. We're very boring. (laughs) We wouldn't do anything like that. (laughs) Do you have to live alternate lives? Like, does anyone know that this is what you're into? Some people do. Some people, but we definitely live two separate lives. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Is there a lot of judgment? Like around it i guess i mean people just wouldn't understand really i think it's more a case people don't need to know um you know mm. I, I wouldn't affect my work life if people found out but also they don't need to know i don't want to know the details of their sex life either so i don't ask and yeah. same same principle applies i think yeah okay. if someone asked me i'd tell them it wouldn't be a huge deal yeah yeah so how did you guys get into it we'll start with you first how did you get into rope bondage um i met some people who were into it and they showed me what they were doing and sent me videos and that sort of thing. And um, I went to my first event and saw it live and just fell in love with it completely. And I was like, I need to do this. I need this in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you meet those people? Um, just in my everyday life. Like I just stumbled across them and they were like, oh, we do this cool thing. And I'd never heard of it, never seen it. Didn't know there was a BDSM community in Brisbane at all. Yeah. Um, I'd never even given it much thought, but I'm always willing to try new things. So... Yeah. I gave it a shot and it became my whole life. Wow. Yeah. Well, fuck. Uh, to the, get to the level that you've got to. And everybody, I will post that video again so that everyone sees it. Everyone make sure that they can see what, what I'm talking about before mm-hmm. they even hear this podcast. But yeah, you've come a long way, I Thank imagine. You. It's, yeah, it's been a journey, definitely. Wow. And so how many years have you been doing this? Um, three years this month, actually. Wow. And then what about you? How did you start? Oh, goodness. This is going back a little way. Um, Again, when, when you start is one of those questions, you're like, well, exactly where do you tick your calendar as, as day one? <laughs> I, I can remember being uh, back in, the younger ones probably won't remember this, but there was a time we didn't have internet in the yeah. houses and, and we all got connected and being a, a young teenager uh, with access to the internet and being a boy, I did what young boys do when they go on the internet by themselves. But amongst all the various other things I found, I found um, a series of photographs that were from a, a Japanese rope bondage set. And, and while they weren't anywhere near as explicit as, as the things I was looking at at the time. They, they spoke to me on a level. Yeah. And it was always in the back of my brain, I should look at that. Um, but, of course, I was still a teenager and I was living at home with my parents, et cetera, et cetera. So it wasn't really something I could pursue. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. Later, I you know, graduated college and I moved out, got a job, uh, found myself in, in regional Queensland. And I'm like, okay, now I'll, I'll try and do this thing and there's just nothing out there. <laughs> regional Where Queensland. were you in regional Queensland? <laughs> uh, we just experienced a bit of regional Queensland. Well, I was in Mackay uh, oh, wow. for, for, for many years and there was not a lot there. Um, but I, it was still something that I really wanted to, to pursue. So I um, you know, bought a number of, of books and you know, various things were popping up on YouTube at the time, which was still fairly new. Uh, and again, it wasn't really where I could go. I did a lot of traveling. I traveled to Sydney, um, two or three times a year to go to events that were down there uh, where I got my first taste of learning. Mm. Eventually I just made bit the bullet and moved to Brisbane because I knew there was a scene here um, where I was able to to access experienced teachers. Mm. After that I um, 
met my sensei, uh, Miss Evil Jen. She, uh, she teaches the Kazami uh, school in Queensland and okay. took lessons with her for two years uh, until she finally was happy enough with what I was doing to, to graduate me uh, to a full uh, teacher. Yeah, wow. So we were, just before we turned the microphones on, we were talking about this being similar. I mean, the way it looked, it's an art form. Absolutely. There's no question about it. And it, the amount of messages I got as well after I posted the video that I put up of you guys that I'd filmed you at mm -hmm. that party, the amount of messages that I had from people that were like, what the fuck is that? They were like, that's not rope bondage as what I understood it to be. Everyone was like, but it, there were that many people that were like, I've never even considered this in my life. And now that I've seen it, it looks kind of cool. Like I should almost try. <laughs> They're still scared of it. A lot of people were still like, what? But, um, but I was like, it's actually beautiful. It looked like a dance. But what was like the most amazing thing to me was that each part of this sort of routine that you put together, you were dangling by different parts of your body with so many complex knots in it that he had, you had to untie her at certain parts while the other ones had to be holding her. And then as you release that part, one, like you, only your leg is being the thing that's held everything. And then at some point you're completely upside down, completely the opposite direction. Like it is so complex. It was like building a building and breaking it down again. Mm -hmm. It was really incredible. So do you ever get lost when that happens? Like where you tie her up by her waist, for example. Have you ever untied the wrong cord and had someone drop? Uh, touch wood, no. I have not. <laughs> I, I, I hope that never happens. Uh, probably the, the biggest issue I usually have is finding where I put the end of the rope. So you look like, where's, ah. where's the end? Oh, it's here somewhere. I'll find it. Oh, and wow. try, trying to trace it back to where I put the end of the <laughs> rope. Uh, but no, with these things, it's always a case of you, you have a, a, in your mind, you know, where the primary um, holding point is and okay. you just, okay, I need the weight to be on, on the waist, I need the weight to be on the weight to be on the chest, I need the weight to be on the leg and you can you make sure that whatever you've, you've done to that point can hold the weight on whichever point you want it to be on. Yeah, okay. And there's also a lot of communication, like there's too much weight or there's not enough weight or that's spending to me too much and, and we go backwards and forwards as we go usually. What you saw in the performance, we weren't talking to each other because it was a performance, but we had practiced that sequence and I had given feedback along the way saying, mm, this needs to change here or this doesn't feel right here. And that's usually how it goes. There's a lot of communication involved. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, um, and so I, I sort of derailed us because I wanted to ask you about this school. So we were talking before about um, it being similar to a martial art in the way that you have to train in these certain schools. So that all of that stuff, understanding the anchor points, understanding where the weight is, that's all stuff that you've developed through a specific school called, what did you call it? Uh, Kazami Ryu. Kazami Ryu. Yeah. Uh, that's well, the school. Just, just clarify, you don't have to study through a school at all. No, any, any, anyone can pick up a rope and, and do rope bondage. It's one of the, the great equalizers. Mm. If you particularly want to do a specific Japanese rope bondage, you may go and then find a teacher who has been taught by a Japanese master. Yeah, okay. Uh, which is what I wound up doing, but you don't have to. Yeah, um, but so it's probably a safer sort of way of doing um, it, I suppose. It's certainly, um, there, there are people in, within the Brisbane community that don't have a specific school that they, they follow, but they're extremely talented all, all the same. Okay. Uh, so th there's not really a, a be-all and end-all if, if you're in a school, you're, you're great at this. Okay. Um, similarly, if you're in a school, it doesn't even, you are great at this. It's just uh, you, you, you have to practice and it, and it shows in how you perform yeah, and the things that you do. Yeah, I see that. But uh, just to go back to your point, uh, Kazami Ryu is, is the particular school that, that I have uh, received a, a teaching certificate in. Uh, and that's been taught by Kazami Sensei, who is a, a gentleman who lives in Japan, obviously. Uh, and a lot of the particular ties that we do, are, they're very similar to other schools as well. They all perform in about the same way. But they've been modified slightly to, to meet his specific preferences and style, personal style. Okay. Like when you meet Kazami Sensei, you realize he's quite short. So a lot of things involved quite low um, fixing points <laughs> so he can reach them. Um, <laughs> the other schools say um, Yukimura School, which doesn't involve a lot of suspensions at all. Uh, and it just is very much about energy and personal interaction. There are other schools, again, which are uh, basically about getting the perfect photo. And it's really about the intentions of the particular teacher or the particular school. Okay. And you were talking just before about how important communication is between the two of you. How important is your role in the way that you hold your body Critical. for the sake? Yeah, wow, okay. And why is that? It can depend on the tie, but along the way, the more you do, the more experience you have um, in knowing how your body responds to certain things. 
And so the first time you do something, you could be like, this sucks, this hurts so much. And then you do it again and you realize, oh, if I just shift my weight very slightly, the mm. pressure is all off and suddenly I feel so much better. Wow. And just knowing when to engage your core, when to help hold yourself up, when to relax into it completely and let the ropes just take you where you need to go. But the more experience you have, the more you learn those little things and it becomes just instinctual. Wow. Yeah. You do. You guys work as a unit. It's pretty amazing. Like to, I mean, obviously, I've said this a billion times. The whole podcast, I couldn't stop talking about how amazing it was because it really is like you are operating as a unit doing something that looked so intense and dangerous, but it didn't look at all dangerous. It didn't look like either one of you was gonna, was in a vulnerable position at any point, but you were trapped there. Mm. I mean, arms behind, arms and legs at one point, completely behind your back, suspended from midair. <laughs> Yeah. Incredible. And look, we do have to mention that rope bondage is, especially at that level, is what we call edge play, which means it has an inherent level of risk that it, it carries. Okay. You know, the risk could be that you know, Angel could wind up dropping on her head. It's, it's a, there's a chance that could happen. Yeah. Uh, we I, do everything we can to mitigate that risk, but it's still something that exists. Um, but we've been tying together for over two years, so what you saw is the result of over two years' worth of communication and learning about each other's styles and bodies and trust and all that sort of stuff yeah, yeah a lot of trust i wouldn't trust anyone else to do the things he does yeah yeah i can imagine <laughs> Definitely. Surprised you trust me to do some of them <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so when you wh what kind of mental state do you need to get into when you know you're going into some a tie like that where like do you have certain ties where you go okay i know this is going to be hard and i need to just get through this period because this one like this particular transition sucks and I know it's going to suck. Yeah, um, definitely. It's probably the only time I can really focus on something and purely focus on that one thing. Like I'm always thinking about 10 things at once, but when something is really tough like that, I know it's going to suck. Everything in me is just going, just breathe through it. You know what to do. You know, you can do this. Yeah. Wow. That's like fighting. Mm. Mm. We have to do the same thing. Absolutely. <laughs> like, and, and it's an amazing thing too because I think our brains are so cluttered with chaos and bullshit and thoughts about what's happening with tomorrow, what do I need to do, money, mm -hmm. my life, you know, all of that other stuff. And I think it is so important for us to constantly find ways to silence everything. And I think the, the easiest ways to do it, like people often say like, oh, I can't meditate, I just drift off or whatever. And it's not that you can't meditate, it's that you don't know how to yet. Mm -hmm. And the reason, the easier way of doing that is to do something really challenging. Like if you're drowning, you're not worried about your taxes. Mm. You know what I mean? So like when you get to that point of, of having to push your body to such an extreme limit, it sort of unlocks a, I don't know, sort of like a pure state of being that's really hard to access in other ways. Absolutely. Mm. I've never been able to meditate in its you know, purest form, whatever you want to call it. Mm. I can't just sit there and make my brain go quiet. Yeah, but it's this incredibly is... hard, I think, to do. Exactly. But when your body is going through something so intense, your brain does not, like, it can't think about anything else. It's mm. so in the moment, completely focused. And it's probably worth saying that now that you've got that level of experience that you do, it's quite, it's a lot easier for you to slip back into that focused state. Yeah, my brain mm. knows this is familiar. It knows what to do. It knows where to take me. Yeah. Yeah, that is something interesting. There's a great book about this, and I can't remember what it's called at the moment, but it's a, a guy who was studying a bunch of athletes that get into the flow state, mm -hmm. and he was saying that the more you can train the athlete to get into that state of being, the more their brain starts to understand that that's coming, mm -hmm. and that that is the end-all reward. Most of the athletes that perform the best are when they, are, they believe that that state of mind is the end result. That's the main goal, not whether they win the fight or not, or not whether they get the fastest time. It's that they rewire their brain to focus on the reward being in the present moment. Mm -hmm. If they can compile all of their energy and direct all their attention to getting to that state of clear being, they'll win the fight or they will succeed in the race regardless. That's mm -hmm. just like a byproduct. And, um, and the more your brain starts to notice that that's happening, the more it can kind of be magnetized to it. It's like finding that pathway in the dark. It mm -hmm. suddenly just slips into it. That's exactly the same with rope. The goal is never to do the trickiest suspension or the most insane looking transition sequence. It's always just about the connection between the two people and the mental state that they're both in. That's the whole point. Yeah. Because yeah. most of the rope we do is, is private. We do rope at home. So it's, there's no one, you know, there's no one scoring our, our tie. Right. It's about where we go together. 
yeah. uh, in, in that moment. The only way we can lose is if we're not there with each other. Hmm. Have and you ever had that? Have you ever, like, one of you or the other just not feeling it at some Oh, yeah, and just absolutely. Like... like, there are times I've had a super stressful day at work. We've agreed to do rope. I, we've started doing rope, and I'm like, no, I'm thinking about work. Hmm. Yeah. I'm straight up just thinking about something else, and I'm not here right now. And so we've stopped and tried again later. Yeah. Mm. And, and you've got to be aware of that too. I mean, it's, it's, there's no point pushing when your brain is in that position because it's just not going to work. You're just going to get angry, you know. Exactly. It's just like, let it go. We'll go, you know, go for a jog or something and, and just clear all that clutter out of your brain and we'll come back when we can focus on it together. Because mm. if you can't quiet your brain and you're focusing on things that make you anxious, putting your body through something intense and painful, it's just going to hurt and it's not going to be enjoyable at all. Yeah. It's not yeah, fun yeah. pain at that point. Mm. Oh, yeah, man, I have days like that when it's time to spar and I really don't feel like doing it. And I get in there and I'll go through two rounds and I'll just be locked up, shut down, and I get mm. hit in the face three times and I finally just sit down and cry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, why the fuck am I even here? <laughs> I hate it. Now, this is borderline too personal, but there's an interesting thing about what you just said there, and I wonder if this... I think that this is really common for people and they don't speak about it much because sex is a really hard thing to talk about in general. And tell me if I'm crossing a line here. Just shut me up. Keep coming. Uh, <laughs> this the, the, is the, your the, world. There's, there's no lines here. Really. <laughs> yeah. um, is it, at least me personally, and I've spoken to a lot of women about this, is that sometimes you're not feeling it and you don't want to have sex. You don't want to go down that road. And because sex can be for a woman or for probably, I imagine, a gay man, it's the same concept. You're being penetrated, right? So something's coming into you. And when you're not feeling it and you're not in the mood for it, but you allow it to happen still, there can be this really intense just sense of like violation, uncomfortable. And it's, it, this could be your partner of 10 years or whatever, you know? It's, and it's, it's a hard thing to be that aware of yourself to be like, I just don't feel good right now. And to be able to have that, the confidence to have that conversation and just be like, I don't feel like doing this right now. Because I think right now we got the Me Too thing going on and all this confusion about consent and what's right and what's wrong. Because when you're in that moment and you don't feel like doing it, but you feel obligated to do it anyway and you do it, I'm not saying that this is a social pressure. What I personally think this is is a lack of personal awareness and confidence in yourself to be able to just assert yourself and say, actually, no, I don't feel like doing this right now. Because I think a lot of people go into that position and I think it's wrong to later say you got raped. I think that's totally inappropriate because it's like, no, you did allow this to happen. Obviously, there's some weird gray areas going on here. But my question is, you guys have this awareness when it comes to rope because you have to, right? You, and as soon as you start doing it, you go, oh, no, fuck, I don't feel like doing this. D has that translated into your sex life as well, like being able to be more consciously aware of what you feel like doing and not doing? Because those two things are sort of intricately linked. Yes. Um, it's a little bit different because outside of rope, we have a power exchange dynamic as well. So there are mm. other things that play into it. So as a whole if I don't feel like having sex sometimes that I can, I can still do it and not feel that way because I feel like it's not my job, but my like as his slave, yeah, it's right. something it's that it's I'm doing that something for to. him and mm -hmm. that makes me feel good. So yes. even if I'm not in the mood for sex, I'm always in the mood to, to serve. Him. So yeah. wow. That's different. an interesting concept. Fuck, that's a very interesting But concept. before I did rope and before I was with him, I was with a lot of men specifically who I had that exact feeling where I didn't want to do this, but I didn't say no. So no, it wasn't rape, but I felt horrible afterwards. Absolutely yeah. terrible mm. because I couldn't say no. I didn't have those skills. And through the rope scene, I've definitely learned how to communicate a lot better and how to say no. Yeah. It's an, it's an amazing thing. The more women I've spoken to, all, every woman I know has had some kind of experience like that. I'm curious, do you guys get that experience as well? Do, do you ever have an experience where you're like, fuck, I sh didn't want to do that, but I did it anyway? Uh, certainly, and I just want to get back to that point there, but um, this is to a little story that we had. Because, again, I've been in the, the scene for a long time and because consent is such a huge um, critical path of what we, we try and do, I mean, the very first time that we went, we're going to have sex was the very first time anyone's actually asked you, do you want to have sex? And, yeah. and waited for a yes. He straight up asked me if I wanted to have sex with him. And I was like, fuck, I don't know what to say to that. Like, <laughs> I think so, yes, maybe. I was like, yes, of course I do. But how do I say that? And yeah. I like just went silent. And I was like, 
what do I do in this situation? Like, how do I verbally consent to having sex? I've never done that before. It's just wow. happened. And, and then, yeah. of course, I didn't get consent. Like, okay, it's cool. I just won't do that. Yeah, That's he fine. backed off and was like, okay, it's okay. We don't have to do that. And I was like, no, 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 I want to. I just, I just didn't know how to say so. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Yeah, because we never talk about it, man. Mm. We never do. It's kind of like this is happening now and I'm just going to always been happening. It. It's not. It's not kid ourselves. It's always been there. Yeah. The, 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 the lack of consent between men and women has been forever. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, I sometimes wonder if men and men ever get it too. And I, and I don't, I'm certainly not saying that this is a victimization thing by any means. And I don't think it's like, oh, poor women. I just think that there's this very confusing thing that tends to happen where like my thought was, and this is fucked. When I was, I used to drink a lot just to deal with all of the chaos of my life and Same. my own, you as well. Yeah. Wow. So you just kind of, it's, it's kind of an easy way to just numb my own dissatisfaction with whatever's going on. And it's a really easy way of dealing with those shitty situations. I don't think I'm being loved. I don't think I love you. I don't know where this is going in the future. I don't know if it even supposed to matter. There's something deep in me that has a really hard time letting go with another person. And I have no idea why or where that comes from, but I'm very like protective. So in order to bridge that gap so I could live a cool life and be free and whatever, let go, I just get fucking hammered drunk and then hook up with strangers that I didn't care about. And the yep. whole thing feels worse and worse and worse. So the more you do it, the more you drink, the more you do it. Exactly. And I was never a victim of anyone else pushing themselves on me. But one thing that I dress, I constantly remembered was I'd be hanging out with somebody at the bar. We knew, both of us knew what was supposed to happen there. And I'd say to them, I don't want to have sex with you tonight I'm I if you want to keep hanging out with me you can come home with me but then in the back of my head I'm going oh my god I've invited them home that's what they expect this is what's supposed to happen then we go home and that thing would happen where which is one thing leads to another and it's pushing it's pushing and pushing until I get to a point where I'm like ah oh, fuck it we'll just have sex and then I hate myself yes. for doing it <laughs> and I get so embarrassed too because I come off like a fuckwit because I've said like, why couldn't I just be at the bar and be like, we're definitely going to have sex later? Because instead, I like put up this wall, like, be cute and coy and don't do it. And then I eventually just do it anyway. I was like, what are you doing? And have you got this, so like, as a man, do you feel that? Do you get that kind of pressure? Like, does it ever happen? I don't, I don't think we are um, uh, socialized in quite the same way, men and women. Mm. I, I think women are certainly are more uh, trained to, to be pleasers. They're, they're mm. like, say, say yes, smile, you know, don't cause a fuss. Whereas men don't really have that level of what of um, training that comes to us. So if we someone says something we don't like, I mean the the socially acceptable. I'm using air quotes on, on an audio medium, but <laughs> the socially acceptable way to do it is to respond with, with violence or anger or, or all these feelings, and you know that's not good either. Right. Um, yeah. But it certainly doesn't let it, the thing happen to you. Something else probably terrible would happen. You'll get into a fight. Yeah. But. Um, so it, it, it is, there's a lot of um, self-reflection you have to do when you, when you start to look into, you know, deeper levels of sexuality about how you want to approach that sort of thing. Yeah. And being part of the BDSM scene, one of the greatest skills you can have is learn to take a no. Yeah, wow. And, and have someone say, no, I don't want to do that. And you go, okay, cool. And that's fine. And you know, it's always okay to ask someone as long as it's okay for you to hear a no. Yeah. And no hard feelings. It's just, okay, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, I quite often get asked to do rope scenes and I just can't because I'm tired or, or, you know, I've done, done two already and it's, I'm quite exhausted now, I'm very sweaty. Yeah, you know, it's like, I sorry, I, I can't do it. You know, there's no hard feelings there and I don't, it's not about the person, it's just I just physically can't. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, similarly, I'm sure there are people, you know, um, sexually who, who'd, who'd like to do things with me and I just don't want to. Yeah. And, and it's okay to say no. You know, it's, it's okay to politely turn someone down. Yeah. Uh, I know that, Angel has had issues, you know, even with all the, the skills that you've developed, you still have difficulty saying no to people. Yeah, I'm much better at it than I used to be, but I still, my first instinct is to just do it to make them happy. Yeah. Do it because you have to. You're a woman. Do the thing. Muscle through it. and Yeah, just deal with it. Breathe through it. Yeah. It'll be over soon. Lie back and think of England, you know? Mm. Yeah. All of that. It's yeah, still man. so deeply ingrained in me, even though now I can recognize when I'm doing that and go, actually, maybe you should just not do the thing that you don't want to do. Yeah, and that's interesting. Like, So to develop a kind of relationship with somebody that you trust and love like this that is like basically going straight into that insecurity. 
Like you're going to such a vulnerable place with somebody that you care about because you guys have actually developed a relationship where he can do whatever he wants to do, knowing that he's never going to push you so far that it's going to hurt you or harm you or like, that's really pretty amazing. Yep. Well, there is a self-selection criteria there too. I mean, Angel wouldn't be with me if she thought I was going to do any of those things that you didn't want me to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, she wouldn't be that vulnerable with someone who wasn't as respectful of, of her boundaries, etc. And the things that we do now, a year ago or 18 months ago, I would never agree to yeah. it, but he's proven time and time again that he's trustworthy and he won't cause me any physical, permanent kind of injury or harm or do anything he knows is against my limits. And Yeah, because there's a big difference between pain and trauma. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we're, we're the same, obviously, in the fight world. It's the exact same thing. Like, you can... Fight. We fight each other to ca- cause harm, but we're never fighting to maim. Your idea is you're not to cause a disability. You know, you're not mm. there to fucking annihilate someone and destroy a person. No. You're there to bring out the absolute best in them. This is a, a Thai martial art. Um, uh, what I what do you call these things? Like a it's a phrase, but I wouldn't say the phrase because obviously I don't know it in Thai. Mm. But it's mm. like a, a known philosophy in Thailand mm-hmm. that you don't bring out the best in the other one unless you bring it unless you give them everything you've got mm-hmm. and because it's a fighting sport you by you giving them everything you've got that means you pushing them to their absolute limit mm-hmm. and they push you back that's the level of respect you have for each other but if you see somebody physically can't take it anymore that mm-hmm. you've done enough you've done the damage that causes them to not be able to take it anymore you don't keep chasing the knockout you don't keep chasing after them you respectfully let them lose the fight and it's over, you know what I mean? And to go into those kind of like extreme levels of danger, I think, and it probably what you guys have gotten up to, it is, it's a slow platforming of trust over time. Mm-hmm. And what I think is missing from the normal social sexual exchange is that that's so taboo to sit down and have that conversation. Nobody, tr- nobody knows each other. Nobody has a platform, a foundation of trust before they start to have sex. Like how fucking mental is that? That... You'll go and get hammered drunk at a bar. You're not even in your own, you don't have your own what's about you. You're meeting a stranger because the person you're meeting obviously is already a stranger, but they're also a drunk version of themselves. So they're not even the person that you would meet in the street. Mm-hmm. Nope. So you're meeting two levels, well, I guess four levels compounded separation between you and this other person, and you're about to go and have sex with them. You know, just to get completely vulnerable naked with them. It's fucking nuts. The way we do things is so backwards. Agreed. Completely. Yeah, look, sex and sexuality is a conversation that we have a lot and talk about how people and, you know, how I talk about how men are sexualized anyway and the things that we're taught mm. are important. And, yeah. Um, you know, as a, as a nerd uh, growing up, my approach to sexuality was probably a little bit different where, you know, I was actually just, you know, you hear men can't find the clitoris. Like, oh, we'll find the clitoris. <laughs> get, me, get me an anatomy textbook. Oh, I'll track this thing down. <laughs> The Surprising. nerd's response is like, well, I'll give me an anatomy textbook. Yeah. <laughs> don't they're, give me a girl. They're very easy <laughs> to find. It's, well, you don't want to meet the girl and like, point to your clitoris, please. <laughs> well, we didn't even know either. Like, yeah. Did you find that was like really weird figuring out your own sexuality when you were young? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never, I, I was fucking pathetic. Sorry, angel he, sexuality is a little more complicated than... <laughs> no, I, I, um, I, I guess, started quite young I've always been a very sexual person okay the moment I was like oh sex is a thing that exists I learned everything I could about myself about sex oh wow so no I I found it quite easy to figure out what I I liked I'm just broken I'm damaged I don't think so. I think the majority of women would be in the same position you are. Mm. Well, and, and again, do you know what's interesting is like that that's the same concept as having an, your own self-awareness about who you are as a person helps you interact with other people better, open, mm. more trusting. Because I think that's one of the bigger problems that I've ever had is being too closed off to myself personally that I also don't know how to let anyone else in because I don't even understand it. It's like a fucking scary world to me. <laughs> oh, he just elbowed her. What was that? What do you mean? It, it's a very familiar story. Yeah. Really? Um, it took me a long time to like open up properly to him and mm. I would give him like a little bit more and a little bit more and wait to see if, you know, he would leave me or he would say I was a fucking weirdo or, you know. Yeah. And 
every time. He was like, no, I love you. I still love you. Still love you. So I was like, oh, okay. This is different. Still do. Still do. This is new. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Like, I think our instant reaction is to shut down and hide ourselves away. But the amazing thing is the more you show yourself to other people, actually the more love you guys can find for each other. Again, it comes back to, you know, sex is one of those taboo subjects. People don't talk about it. Mm. Everyone's fucking. Yes. We can say fucking on this podcast, don't we? Oh, yes, we can. Fucking. <laughs> I say it too many times. I keep catching myself. I use fucking like, um, um, instead of saying um, I just say fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyways, continue. But we're talking about, you know, everybody's fucking, but no one's talking about it. And, and yeah. certainly within um, a male or male identified persons, you don't really talk about sex at all except to brag, you know, oh, I got my cock sucked the other day and it was Ew, great. Yeah. And, and, you know, never, there's no one ever has a conversation like, I couldn't get an erection on Thursday. It was very strange. <laughs> yeah. it's, you, you, Made me feel so small. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, you, you can never really have a, a conversation about it mm. um, in the vanilla world. And I, I think that's where certainly I feel much more at home in the kink world where you can just have a conversation about sex and the things that you love doing and, and the things you don't like doing and, where it starts and ends. And, yeah. you know, I know that Angel, between her friend group, will often recommend, you know, sex toys to each other and, and you know. We'll have very, very detailed graphic conversations about sex. Mm. Guess, like, guess what I did last night and then go into explicit detail. <laughs> well, that's how you explore foreign terrain, man. That's how mm. you do it. Well, that is really cool because when I first, like, that was one of the main things that I noticed about that party mm. is it almost and I said this in the podcast, but it's almost like that ex- an extreme level of polite acceptance of fucking anything. Mm-hmm. Whatever's going on, it would, it would almost um, make you feel like an outsider if you were critical or judgmental. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys have cultivated such an environment in that community that, like, it's all good in here. In here, whatever you want to do, as long as you're not harming somebody else, or if you are harming somebody else, it's because they have consented to it yeah. then anything goes as long as you're up for it it's fine yeah you're all you're all grown ass adults you can do whatever you want to do yeah um, i think that's a very cool mature mind state to be in so hmm. again as long as it doesn't affect anyone else if you know if you're beating someone and, and you're flinging your, your implement back and hitting the people behind you that's not okay it's you mm-hmm. know there's obviously a level of personal responsibility you have to take about what you're doing yeah. how you go about it cleaning up afterwards but you know again the actual acts themselves aren't that big a deal. We have a common saying on the scene, which is your kink is not my kink and that's okay. Yeah. So we can go around and go, you're doing something that I just would never touch in a million years, but good for you. Enjoy yourselves. Have fun. Or or, or I don't want to watch, you know, I don't want to watch you get hung upside down by your penis or whatever. I don't want to see that. I'm going to go to a different room and that's fine. Yeah. There's there's no, you know. It's never judgmental. It's Mm. just an acceptance of not my thing. Yeah, not my thing. Yeah, that's mm. yeah, a good way to be. That 33 does a really good job of that. The way that they've set that place out is pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Like each room is just a different theme. Whatever you're into, you go into that room, you do your thing. And if you want to watch, great. If you don't, you don't. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm. And so there are events like this all over the place all the time, huh? Uh, all over the world, yeah. Um, wow. Obviously, it, it depends a little bit on the, on the country and, and the laws in the country, et cetera. So you know, some countries are going to be more, um, more underground than others. Mm. Certainly, I mean, again, we're talking back to Shibari again. In Japan, it's still very underground. It's, it's a Japanese um, you know, erotic art, but it's so, totally underground. No, no one really talks about it. It's not a, a oh, thing you can just walk up to the street and, and find. But it, it's, it's there if you know where to look and you know the people to talk to, which luckily we do, uh, thanks to some, some friends of ours. And the oh, that's that we interesting. Made. I never really thought about it that way. Mm. Yeah. So do, would you say that the kink scenes are more intense in environments where they're not allowed to be public do you know how sometimes like suppressing something makes it more <laughs> full-on I, I honestly being in, more in public makes everyone a little bit more accountable uh, so I think that's probably where it is it is better that we in, in Queensland where we everyone can find everyone else you know and we know you know person x is is a good person person y is, is not a good person yeah um, having it much more underground makes it much more difficult for people to uh approach scenes yeah. or approach, approach the, the scene uh certainly we get a lot of you know keyboard warriors online he'll he'll try and say oh i've got this much experience and i'm, I'm so good at this when they've never picked up any implement ever yeah, yeah they're really just lying about what they know to to go and um try and commit someone to have sex with them 
Yeah. Where, where the community itself is, is, is set up such we self-police to the point where we can go, okay, do you want to go play with person X? Person X is a good person. You can play with them. They'll do a good job. Yeah. And that's, that's where the benefits really come in. There's a lot of referencing that goes around. I'll often get asked by people, oh, what do you know about this person? Are they safe? Are they trustworthy? And if yeah. I don't know, I'll go and ask someone I know will know. There's a lot of that that goes on, especially among the bottoms in the scene because you're in a lot of a more vulnerable position. Yeah. A lot more bad things can probably happen to you. So we all talk. So if one person fucks up and hurts someone in a very bad way, the entire bottom community will know about it very quickly. Yeah, wow. And how they deal with – how do you guys deal with something like that if somebody – like, because I imagine there is a gross element to this thing where it's like jury uh, trial by fire, you know, like where you have – somebody does something, maybe they made a mistake and then they're – cast out and fucking burned alive at the stake. But it seems like the way that they react to the accusation and how it goes down. Cause I, I, I don't know, you know, like, cause again, there's this whole false rape accusation stuff. Like the consent thing is so scary. It, it to be on either side of a false rape thing or a real rape thing is really bad. And especially right now in our modern climate. I think the community that we're in, it highlights it a lot more publicly. Like we're all a lot more aware of it and I think it's very easy to say, oh, the kink scene attracts bad things and bad people. And it's, no, that's not true. These bad things and bad people, they exist everywhere. Mm. We're just more open about it and we talk about it and we call it out when it happens. Mm. It's not more common by any means. But, you know, if something bad happens, sometimes the person is genuinely a good person and they just made a mistake. They were thoughtless. They, they fucked up, but they'll own their shit. They'll take responsibility. They'll apologize. They'll do everything in their power to try and rectify it. And... You know, people make mistakes. It happens. People recognise that. And again, certainly within the, the, the scene, because we do have such a, a focus on negotiation, it's quite, well, relatively easy at least to, to say in hindsight, that person broke my consent or they didn't. Yeah. You know, if, if I decide to have a scene with somebody and they agree to be tied up and then I decide to put my penis inside them for whatever reason, they didn't agree to that, yeah. I, I have gone too far. I've, I've made, I've done a terrible thing and deserved all, everything I get, essentially. Yeah. But... Again, if we had negotiated for me to put my penis inside them and I did, well, then we negotiated for that and that's okay. Yeah. Even if in hindsight there's like a, mm, probably shouldn't have said yes to that. Yeah, didn't like that afterward. But yeah, yeah, and that is kind of the nice thing about it. Have you guys, do you guys use the No Grey app? We do, yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. And could, would you mind describing what that thing is? Do you want to start? Um, it's a negotiation tool that you use when you're trying to organize to play with someone, okay. no matter what kind of play that might be. And it just helps break it down into what things are okay to do. And it puts it all out there. There's a list that you can add of things that you're into, things that you're not into. And it just makes it a lot easier to navigate that. Okay. Because often when you sit down to negotiate a scene with someone, they go, okay, so what do you want to do? And they go, oh, I don't know. What do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. And it yeah, becomes yeah. very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just a tool that helps like kickstart that conversation. Okay. Yeah. So you, and you can pass, can you pass your ideas on to them? Like, so you say, send your list back to them or? I, I believe the, the way the app works is you, you invite someone to do a scene with you and you say, oh, I'd like to do these things from whatever list. And they say, well, I don't want to do thing X, but I'll do all the other things. And then you come to an agreement of what's going to be involved in the particular scene you're going to do. And then okay. you have like a record of what you've agreed to. So you can go back after the scene and go, uh, see that thing you did? That's not on the list. That's yeah. why I'm angry. Yeah, and, yeah. Or you can go, look, we did everything on this list and it was a great time. Hmm. Yeah. It, it, what we're really looking for is to, to try and reduce assumptions and guesswork in what we can and can't do to someone. Yeah. There's, there's a, an adage that we like to say that you don't renegotiate a scene during the scene because you are looking at altered mental states when, you, when you're doing a lot of the things that we do and you may agree to do a thing in the heat of the moment that you wouldn't have agreed to do before or after. Or you just might feel pressured into it. If you're tied up hmm. and being hurt, you're not in the right mental state to say, mm, actually, no, I don't want to do that or no, stop doing that right now. You can just feel like, oh, I'm so trapped. I have to just take this because mm. I am extremely vulnerable and there's nothing I can do about it. And that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, and I can see that. I 100% can see that because things do change in the heat of the moment on all of a sudden. Yes, man. And then afterward, after it's over, you're like, how the fuck did I get there? Why did I let that happen? And negotiation is something that, is now talked about a lot more, and I think that's very important. But back when I first 
joined the scene, no one told me that that's what you're supposed to do. So mm. people would ask me to play. There would be zero negotiation. Just, do you want to do a thing? Yep. And they would do whatever the fuck they wanted. Wow. Yeah. That'd and be looking scary. back, that was not okay at <laughs> all. But I didn't know any better. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I mean, the, the nice thing about it is that when you have experienced somebody who does give a shit about you, you can, you get to feel the difference and you go, oh, wow, this yeah. actually mm. really is. The first time he tied me, I was like just shocked by how respectful it yeah. was and how much thought he put into making sure my boundaries weren't being crossed. Mm. It was a stark contrast for sure. Mm. Wow. So terrible things to you that thing. Yes, but I can sense it to <laughs> what them. Did you, what did you do? <laughs> oh, we'll we'll, we'll put the photographs up later, but I believe there was there was uh, clover clamps in your nose. Yes. And, and there was some beautiful stripes on your leg, in your thigh, sorry, from that, that lovely little quote I have. Yes, so he, he tied me up, suspended me, hung something heavy off my nose, which was Ow. very painful. Because um, I'm a jerk. He is a jerk. <laughs> and whipped me with a little... Leather thing. Leather thing. And, and then you said I had enough and took you down gently and untied you. Yep. Wow. And, and it was love. <laughs> uh, At that point, it was like, I really want to fuck you. <laughs> we, we love didn't. came later. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. We didn't know because that really was just a pickup scene at a... At a it wasn't even a pickup. It was a plan. We scene. agreed to it like two days earlier. Yeah. So it wasn't like we were, we were going to rush off and, and, and fuck at the time. But No. Was, we uh, just, we had a lot of chemistry during that scene. Mm. It was supposed to just be for fun. We were friends and we were like, oh, let's it do a fun, fun thing. And then we were like, oh, that was, that was really good. That was, yeah, that was special. There's something about going through something like that that really makes you kind of intensely bonded to other people. We talk about a fighter trainer relationship a lot, that this is a really common thing, going through battle with them. I've never been sexually interested in any of my trainers, but you do have this like intensity, this level of intensity and trust, knowing that you've just been through something really intense together. The camaraderie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I get it with my teammates as well. Like if we both are training for a fight together, we have six weeks of training together, and then on the night we're both the two. You feel very alone, but when you go go to this thing together, you both know that you've gone through all of the work together to get to that moment together. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. We both tied with countless people. Before, Before then, then yeah. and, 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 and since, but it's different. Mm. It's always different. Mm. Like you're still going through something with this other person and it's still a good connection, but it's a very different kind of bond to the one that we have. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's nice, man. And so how did you meet each other before then? Because you were talking about there are meetups that happen outside of kink parties as well, right? That's right, yeah. Well, we call them munches, and essentially they're, they're little vanilla gatherings where you wear your regular clothes and you go to a regular coffee shop or something similar like that. You sit and have a coffee, but everyone at the table knows your biggest secret, that you're a kinky person. Mm. And it's okay, and you just get to chat to them and learn who they are as people when they're not, you know, upside down by one ankle, like, <laughs> like Angel often is. But, and, and I find them intensely valuable for the scene as a whole because you, you need to be able to see who's real, who's, yeah. who's a genuine person and... How do they react? How do they treat wait staff? How do they treat other people? You know, and you get a real feel for the people that you're talking to then. Ah, yeah. And you can get information like how do you negotiate a scene and things like that. So, and you can also make friends so that when you do go to the kink party, you go, oh, I know you. I, yeah. I, can, I can talk to you for a little bit because I don't want to hang on the wall and, and look like I'm completely lost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know I was glad that I had my camera and stuff with me so I didn't feel... Like I was just staring at people because <laughs> I didn't know anyone. I knew a couple of people and the few people that I didn't know were so friendly to me. Everyone was mm. introducing me to everyone. It was so nice. Um, that's interesting. That brought to mind a question that I wanted to ask you and then I've fucking lost it. The amount of times I've done this lately where I've been like, oh, yeah, that's the thing I want to ask. And then, oh, yeah. Do you know what's interesting is that when I um, used to surf all the time, I used to think it was so nice that I could meet somebody in the water and see how they were towards the other surfers and if they were like really hungry or greedily like dropping in on people or trying to catch waves I was like actually that's one of the best ways to meet boys mm -hmm. because you can tell straight away if they're an asshole mm -hmm. like if somebody's just gross and and love what you said about the weight stuff like mm -hmm. you're absolutely right if I went on a date with someone and they were thought the weight stuff was beneath them or was rude or didn't say thank you or kind of like snubbed somebody off. I would just be so disgusted in them. Like mm. the, I would never want to spend time with them again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. And the last thing you want to do is be with a person like that and then have them tie you up with your hands behind your back by one leg. Because if they don't respect, you know, your basic human decency and, and, and 
you know, just in talking to people who are doing their job, they're not going to respect you either. Yeah. They, they don't care about you. They're, they're, you're here to make them happy. You're here to serve some purpose for them. And I think that's just not the way you can really approach the things that we do. It really has to be a team game and a team approach. Yeah. And we've both done scenes with people where it's felt like that, where it's like, oh, you're here to get something out of me. And by the end of it, you feel drained because they've just taken everything from you and given nothing back. You know, they did nothing wrong. You know, it's Mm. not like that they they cross any boundaries or anything like that, but they're just taking. Their attitude is just not Mm. what we were looking for in the moment. Huh. Wow. And so do you find this, is this a pretty common thing? I mean, it seems to me like everyone's got a basic general common respect for each other, especially at 33. I don't know what Mm. they're like. uh, Everyone was saying that at different parties, there's different kind of vibes and stuff. Mm -hmm. But what, as far as I could tell, everybody was kind of rolling with each other, comfortable, happy enough with each other. And had most of everybody that I spoke to had been with the same people before. So mm-hmm. they like, oh, the last time that she put needles in my face, it was like this, and this time we're doing it this way or whatever. So they've kind of had that previous working relationship together. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty common. I would I think, say so, yeah. yeah. It's definitely common to have a very wide circle of play partners or not even play partners so much as just, oh, I played that person once a year ago. It was, it was good. It was a good time. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone knows each other. Most people have played with each other in some form. Mm. One of the things we do recommend for new bottoms, uh, that's the, the receiving partner, uh, is that they see the person they want to play with, play with someone else first. Ah, okay. So you can see how they stick needles in someone's face or how they tie them up or how they do the vlogging or whatever it is that they're interested in sharing with that, that top. Yeah. Uh, to see, okay, I like the way this particular person does the rope slash needle slash what have you. Uh, or they can go, oh, I don't, didn't like the way he did that. I, I, I think I'll just pass on this person. Yeah, okay. And even talking to their other bottoms as well, if that's something they feel comfortable doing, just being like, oh, how did you find this experience? Is he a safe person to play with? Yeah. That's, that's a great I, question to ask. Just yeah. ask everyone if, you, if you're in Talk the scene. Talk to everyone yeah. about everyone else. Huh. If you have nothing to hide, there's nothing wrong with talking about them. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting too, because again, like we've been talking about the taboo stuff and like that is something I noticed as well is that everybody that I've spoken to in this community is really open about fucking everything, yeah. honest. And I, I made a joke about it cause I was like, yeah, like by, at, by the time you've put a, de- a needle inside your dick, then nothing else matters. Like you're not ashamed of anything else, but it really does seem that way. Like everybody, you can talk about anything and everybody's like, oh yeah, it's all good. And people are constantly changing partners all the time. So you guys said that you've tied with other people mm-hmm. since you've been together. Mm-hmm. Do you play with other people in other sexual ways as well? Or is it just only tying? Do you have like kind of rules about that? We do have rules. Um, so we, uh, non-monogamous, but we, you know, we've been together for over two years. We live together, all that sort of thing. But if we wanted to have sex with someone else, if we wanted to go on a date with someone else, we just have to give each other a heads up mm. and just say, Hey, I really like this person. I'm going to bang them on Saturday night. Wow. And we go, yep, cool. Have fun. High five. High five. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it, wow. How does that work? By talking. So yeah. much communication. Yeah. So much. And, and really it comes down to just feeling respected and, and, and included in the thought process. You know, I, I, you know there's a easy to fall back on that monogamous aspect of, you know, if I'm having sex with this person, they're my possession. Sex is something that I get from them and no one else may. And it, sex is great. Everyone should have a lot of sex. It'd be really, everyone would be a lot happier if we did. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that you can't have sex with person X because maybe they're really good at sex. He's hoping. <laughs> uh, he's hoping he's terrible, so you come back to me. I, <laughs> I'll always come back to him. He's yeah. very good at sex. And, well, thank you. But that, that is probably the, the key part. I know she's coming back. You know, Angel, yeah. Angel's in love with me, and I'm absolutely 100% certain of that. So there's no fear that wow. someone's going to have you know, this massive whatever that's going to change her, her mind about me. The only thing that can change our relationship is us. Mm. If I'm going to leave him, it's because he's done something shitty, not because someone else has done something good. So right. the easy way to fix that, don't do shitty things. Yeah. Be, yeah. A, be a good partner and your partner won't leave you. Yeah. Pretty simple. Uh, but going back to yeah. that, that point, um, uh, you're talking about tying people and whether that's a sexual thing or not. It's, it's, it can be. Um, it depends, again, on the people and, the, and the, the vibe between two people. It can be as simple as I'm just going to do this because you've asked me to and I can have, demonstrate a skill. Yeah. And you can do things that are quite sensual and it depends, again, on, on the people. But that's not what we would call a sexual interaction, if right, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. There's no penetration involved. Yeah. yeah. Like rope, not for all bottoms, but for a lot that I know and me specifically, rope is very sexual. It, 
you know, it turns me on. sexual feelings. So if you're doing rope with someone, the chances are you're probably going to be a little bit turned on by it. Yeah. But that doesn't make it a sexual scene. It just means you had a sexual reaction to something they did. Yeah, yeah. I got what you're saying. Is it common to have sex while you're tied up? Some people do it a lot. Um, specifically with like complicated shibari, it can just be difficult yeah. and awkward more than anything <laughs> yeah. else. It's like, I'm trying to imagine like your position and the what I saw and then having sex with that would be... It, you can't yeah. do it for a long time anyway. Just Yeah. yeah. But It just sounds, just sounds like hard work. I mean, <laughs> let, let's not discount the, the good old standby, which is the, you know, we have four you know, hands and, and feet tied to the bedpost. That's still yeah. borrowed bondage and that's still a good time. Yeah, yeah uh, sure. and you know, if you want to you want to have sex like that, go for your life, you crazy kinky bastards. I, <laughs> yeah. I it's love really it. Difficult to fuck someone when they're hanging from one angle. Like the yeah. angles just don't work not like that. Impossible. Yeah. It's not impossible, <laughs> but if you're upside down, you're going to run into difficulties. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to to quote uh, Kazami Sensei, we have this particular uh, tie which involves a, a leg spread, quite open, hips forward, um, the open hip suspension. And to quote him, he said, uh, "I had." You're thinking about it now, but I've tried it. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it, it's not as practical as you might think. But, it's again, it's a – I don't want to say call it foreplay because it's not quite that either. It's a sexual expression all of its own. Yeah. And then quite often we, you know, we'll have sex afterwards because we're both really horny now because we've yeah. just been doing something very, very sexy for the past 45 minutes. And I'll very, very often have orgasms while in rope. Mm. Really? Yeah. How? From the way it's tied? Um. You, like, well, like, there was one point where I saw the rope went straight up your middle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that just hurts like a bitch. I bet. But if he tugged on it for long enough, I would have come. Wow. But. I was tugging a little bit. Yeah, he was a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I saw that moment because I was filming the yeah. whole thing and I obviously had to review the footage later and I was like, ooh, that was a little moment, wasn't it? Because he pulled it yeah. on me and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, so it, like, it's very definitely possible and common to have orgasms while in rope um, if you're stimulated in the right way. Yeah. And if um, that's how your body works. Don't if that's how your body works. And it's also very like a mental thing as well. Like if you are in that mindset of this is sex, this is what sex is like. Yeah. Then, yeah. But that would only ever happen with him. I couldn't just be tired by anyone and be like, I'm going to come now. Like, no, that's not yeah, how this works. Yeah. It's just that the whole package has to all be there. Hmm. It's definitely the mental connection that does it. Wow. Yeah, man. Wow, that's amazing. And and what's really nice about that, because I have spoken to a few people that do some open relating stuff, and I don't know. I wasn't completely convinced that they it was serving their life in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And I don't get any sense about that between the two of you. And I, I'm curious, did you have jealousy issues ever to start with that you needed to work through, or did you feel this way? Pretty consistently. Well, we said from the very beginning we were going to be poly. Um, non-monogamous. Non-monogamous. That was always like a kind of a deal breaker. We did mm. not, neither of us wanted to be monogamous. That was from the very beginning going forward. That was the plan. Mm. Um, I actually found there was no jealousy at all at the beginning mm. because it was just the way we always did things. The more open we became towards each other and the more in love we were, the harder it got. Okay. Yeah. But jealousy is natural. Everyone feels jealous. Mm-hmm. And just because you're in a poly, non-monogamous relationship doesn't mean that if you feel jealousy, suddenly it's all going wrong and everything's bad. It probably just means you're insecure about something or you haven't been having your needs met lately. Maybe you haven't seen them in a week because you've been working too hard and you're just like, ugh, that other person has something that I want. Yes. But then you just go, hey, um, I want this thing. Can I have it? And they go, yep, we'll do that right now. And mm. usually that fixes the problem. And all those discussions we had at the beginning were just approaching that and, and going, okay, what is it we really genuinely need to feel loved and validated? And as long as we, you feel like you're being considered, that you're being thought of, that you are loved and in a, safe in the relationship, then the rest of it doesn't really matter. It really mm. comes down to security in yourself and your relationship. If you feel insecure, if you feel like you're not good enough, you're probably going to feel jealous. And that's mm. something you have to work on within yeah. yourself. Yeah, man. Wow. One of the, the real perks of, of being a, a kinky person is that you get reasonably confident of, of who you are and what things that you like. And when you meet someone who is all those things that you like and they like the things that you like, etc., you can really set up a relationship right from the outset with some very clear expectations of where you want things to go. Yeah. So what we, we call it um, designer relationships. So 
if you imagine D slash S on relationships, uh, where we sat down and we, we talked about, okay, this is what I need. This is what I want. This would be the, the cherry on the cake. And we compared those lists and we worked out what we felt was, was reasonable to expect from each other. You know, you'll tell a lot about um, uh, power exchange contracts. We don't have one of those, but we have an agreement of expectations. But yep. just talking about what we're trying to build and, and what we hope to achieve and what we do with what we are doing in our relationship. There's something we talk about among poly people called the uncomfortable versus wrong feeling. So when it comes to our relationships with other people, we have a, a written down list of steps we're going to follow in order to make sure we both feel considered in the situation. And then if something happens and we feel bad about it, we can address that list and go, has any of these things been ignored or violated? If so, what they did was wrong and we'll yeah. talk about it. Okay. If not, if they've, agree- if they've followed the agreement we've set out, then we probably just feel uncomfortable and that doesn't mean anything wrong has happened. We just feel a certain way and we'll deal with that accordingly. Yeah. yeah. And we still talk about it and say, I, I feel bad about you went on a date with so-and-so. But you didn't do anything wrong. I just feel uncomfortable. And then we'll just talk and cuddle and work it through and figure out what's going on with me. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and that's fine. Wow. And um, what, what is on that list? Oh. Um, we, we, forget our, um, we have to get it out. But usually um, the main ones that come up often are we have a rule where if we're going to an event and we're going to play with someone else, we will tell each other beforehand, these are my plans at this event. I'm playing with this person doing rope or whatever. I'm playing with this other person after that. And then when I'm done with that, we'll play together. And it's a, you know, one minute conversation. Okay. We just, when we make a plan, we'll give each other a heads up and that's it. Yeah. It's usually a text, you know. Yeah. I'm playing with, you know, just pers- person B on Thursday, you know, or whatever. And it's not, can I? It's No, I it's am. I am. Mm. Yeah. And even it's tricky because without added power exchange to the relationship, specifically for me as the slave, sometimes it feels like I should be asking for permission. Mm-hmm. But we have never, ever had a rule where I've had to do that. And we, and we won't put one in either. And we will never do that either. I, again, I, I think there's a certain amount of what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So it's got to, got to work both ways in this sort of arrangement. Yeah. Because our, our personal interactions between Angel and I are different from our um, sexual interactions with other people. Right. And, they, and they shouldn't influence, if that makes sense. And it, I shouldn't be preventing her from doing, living her best life. Yeah, and, I and see by, what you're if she's not preventing mm-hmm. me from living my best life. Mm. God, that's so healthy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's it. This shit's so mind blowing to me. Like you guys, uh, I have to think. Um, my friend Lisa, the uh, stripper that I had on this podcast of many moons ago, for just op- sliding open this door for me at the very beginning. It's just, yeah, I'm very impressed overall, all up from all of it, from all angles. It's really, really interesting. And you guys, and you're the same as everyone else I've met in the community, so fucking normal and grounded. It's like you've been spending years meditating, (laughs) working on yourselves. We have been. Everyone's so self-aware, yeah. Working on yourself is a huge part of what we do. Mm. I I certainly, for myself, I, I went through a long period of like I dedicated myself to just being a better person mm. and working to consider people more and to look at, you know, listen to other people's stories and believe them. Mm. And coming to that level of understanding, you, you sort of, it helps you as well just because you're not, it becomes less about myself and more about the community as a whole and, and how we can all work together to make things better for everyone else. Mm. Even, the, you know, we see things in, in the scene that we don't particularly like and there are things that we can't change, but we can exist as, you know, um, examples that people might choose to follow if they think we're doing it right. What do you think is wrong? What can go wrong? Like, what do you mean? What are examples? Do you know an example? Can Well, uh, to talking about the, the, well, the globally the rope scene, um, certainly in the last 12 months or so, had a series of quite high profile, quite talented people who were, uh, I don't want to say outed, but were, were had issues raised about their behaviour and things that they had done which were outside consented boundaries and... Oh, damn. Yeah. They just got arrogant and thought, I am so cool, I am so famous, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. And while 
I, Fuck, that happens in almost every industry, though. Like, yes. I, I was doing a podcast about Buddhism, and I was looking up one of these old school teachers, and he, again, has just gone, his entire lineage have mm. all gone through rape accusation. Mm. Anybody in a high-level position of power, it seems, just turns into a fuckhead. Look, and, like, while I don't believe that my behavior is in any way incorrect, I recognize that all those people who did the bad things all look like me. Um, they're all white dudes. Uh, and, and as yeah, a extremely, extremely white, extremely dude, dude, I have to be that much more aware of it and I have to be on my game, which means I have to, you know, be very conscious of how I negotiate and and where I when I do do something wrong and, and look, it happens. I make mistakes, I'm a human being. I will do everything in my power to make that right mm-hmm. because that's just who I want to be. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, and what's right for some is not necessarily right for others. And mm-hmm. just having the self-awareness to slow everything down and not treat every situation the same. Mm. Yeah. you got to slow your life down to do that properly. Mm. Huh. Wow. Jeez, man. You guys have opened my eyes. That was really good talking to you. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Thank you so much, for, especially for putting on that performance and letting me film it and then letting me share that with the world because it was yeah. so cool. And um, thanks for coming down and talking. If people want to see more of your stuff, do you guys have like um, social media that you show your rope stuff? Or? Yeah. Um, so we're both on FetLife, but obviously we recognize that not everyone is on FetLife. No one <laughs> might want to be. But we're also on Instagram. Um, there are obviously limits to what we're allowed to show on Instagram, but we still show a lot of our rope things. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. So um, my FetLife name is Angel with a hyphen on either end. And my Instagram is Shibari Angel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my Instagram is Basanos Shibari. That's B-A-S-A-N-O-S underscore Shibari. And you can find me on FetLife as Basanos. You can also contact me uh, via email at Basanos at Kazami Ryu. That's K-A-Z-A-M-I hyphen R-Y-U dot com. Cool. And do you do, um, you do rope courses and I stuff? Do, yeah, I, I teach uh, Kazami style classes. Uh, that's Brisbane based. And you can find us at Kazami Ryu dot com. Cool. How much is a class? It I'm depends. On, depends on your level. <laughs> we, we, beginner, very entry beginner. Well, it, well, I, I wouldn't actually recommend that a, a rank beginner come to one of our classes. You really want to go to a very basics class, and there are plenty of those in town too. Ah, okay. Uh, for those who aren't uh, Brisbane the locals, classes for kids. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Please, no kids. <laughs> yeah. we, we make jokes, but everyone begins at the beginning, yes, and that, that's one of the hard lessons you have to learn. You, you don't get a, a shortcut to the top. Um, so you start at the beginning, you pick up your first rope, you tie your first knot, and that's where you start. And then you keep tying and you keep going. Yeah, all right, I'll start at the start. Yeah. But for, the, <laughs> for those who are listening, uh, you want to Google up Rope Bite, that's R-O-P-E-B-I-T-E, and there'll be one near you. Uh, the other option is... Uh, Peer Rope. Peer Rope, that's right. Google, Google those up and you'll find... They're both on Facebook Probably well. a Facebook link or something like that for a group that's close to you. Cool. And those are the people that will be able to help you get started. If you then, you know, find like, yes, I love this so much, I want to do this every day for the rest of my life, then you come to someone like myself or, or a structured class to start taking lessons. Cool. It's a big commitment. Yeah. Yeah, man, I bet. Well, thank you so much. That was awesome. Thank you. So that was Angel and Bassanos. They are on Instagram at Shibari Angel and also at Bassanos underscore Shibari if you'd like to follow them and see more of what they do. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of their performance, it's up on all of my social media, YouTube, all that shit. Thank you so much for listening as always. If you'd like to contribute to the podcast, you can do that at patreon.com slash Lorna Bremner or just share the post or just tell your friends. I, anything helps. Please do send me a message if any of that stuff uh, striked a chord, striked, struck, struck a chord with you or, you know, makes you feel something, whatever. Thank you so much for listening. As always, talk to you again next week.